Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Layers, the Yale Layers podcast. I'm your host for season two, Lucy Harvey, and I'm here with the wonderful and incomparable Cami Arbalis. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. Okay. Accent on the A. <laughs> Perfect. So Cami graduated from Yale in 2020, and you have since been making waves with your stunning work as a pole dancer, yoga instructor, and aerialist, among many other ta- talents. I actually met you for the first time on campus. I don't even know if you remember this, but it was like through a super random training, like at Payne Whitney through Yale Aerial like and Circus Arts. Uh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I was so, I was a little freshman. I was so scared and shy, but <laughs> you're also the founder of the Mind Body Spirit Collective, which is a community for all people who are comfortable in a space centering women. And you offer workshops on movement, mindfulness, and creativity. And of course, you also recently taught SZA how to pole dance for her Good Days music video. Am I missing yeah. anything? Mm, that's kind of it. I mean, there's been uh, other things, but that's the highlight reel, I guess. I mean, you say that's kind of it, but I mean, that's, that's a pretty awesome kind of it. Um, oh, thank you. Okay, so Kimmy, when did you start pole dancing? And can you talk to me a little bit about like why you wanted to start? Yes. So I started the first pole class I ever took. I remember it so vividly. I think it was August 30th, 2019, which means I just, I guess, had my two year anniversary. I didn't even realize it. Um, But yeah, it was. um, So as you explained, I was a a member of the Yale Aerial and Circus Arts Collective, which is where we met. Um, and one of my best friends, Scott, Scott Finer, who was the president of the Yale Aerial Circus Arts Collective, he got me into it. And so I was really into training on aerial silks and aerial hoop. And, um, there's a bit of a learning curve to those apparatuses. So I would supplement like our training in the aerial club with a local studio called Pole Fly. Uh, which was where you could train on the silks and the hoop. But as the name suggests, Pole Fly was an, uh, actually a, a pole studio kind of first and foremost. So I had always gone to that studio and looked at the poles on my way to take silks or hoop class. And I always thought pole dancing was really, really cool, but I was honestly kind of scared to try it because I was not very confident in my body. I was scared to show off my body because when you pole dance, you need to have, you know, your inner thighs exposed so you can grip the pole and your stomach area. You just have to have a lot of your body showing. And I was super scared to do that. Something got into me, though, on August 30th, 2019, because that was like the first day of my senior year. And I was like, you know what? F it. Life is short. I should just go and try a pole class. So I did. I signed up for a pole class on that Friday morning. And from there, I was hooked because it was really hard and it was um, very empowering. I felt so I didn't know what I was doing. I was like flipping my hair and wearing the heels. And like I said, I felt like Bambi. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, but I kind of like that feeling. So it it. I got very quickly addicted and I continued taking classes at pole fly whenever I could. I remember, I think I stayed behind during like fall break my senior year because I was like, I just want to take as many pole classes as I can. I tried to order a pole and set it up in my, my apartment at the time, but it didn't quite fit. So I was just obsessed. And then I couldn't really devote a ton of time to it because I was obviously a full-time student, but 
that was why I started. I just, it, I, I kind of came from a place of fear. I was like, this looks scary and I want to try it. So was Yale, like Ariel and Circus Collective, was that like the first time you had ever done any like silks or Ariel hoop? Yes. And again, I think I attempted those apparatuses because it looked scary and cool and also liberating and also scott and i were best friends and um and we still are we're still really close <laughs> i don't know why i said we're um but yeah he was really into it and he kind of got me into it so i honestly oh i think majority of my interest in pole and aerial arts to him and so i'm i'm grateful so i always whenever people ask me my journey i always mention him <laughs> that's so awesome um, okay, can you just tell me a little bit about, like, your relationship with your mental health? Yes. So I think when people meet me, anybody who meets me, I think will say I'm a generally like a very positive and joyful and upbeat person. And I am. And I'm, I love myself for that. Like, that's one of the qualities that I um, really embrace about myself, that I always assume the best in people and in situations. And I do a lot of work to maintain a positive mindset a lot of the time. Um, but because of that, I think also um, for a really long time, a lot of my life, I would force myself to remain positive and suppress a lot of like the darker, deeper emotions that I was feeling. Um, and this definitely reached a fever pitch during my time at Yale, because as we know, Yale's a very high octane environment, a lot going on. Um, it's hard to admit when you're spread thin. <laughs> and so I remember kind of my sophomore year, things had gotten pretty bad and I never had truly experienced um anxiety um and I remember it was like a weekly routine I used to like go into the basement and like cry every Thursday before my section and I thought that was just like normal I was just like letting it out and it's like girl no you are having a panic attack like that is anxiety (laughs) um but because, like I said, I would generally like kind of suppress those feelings and try and just trudge through and be like, I'm positive. Everything's great. Everything's fine. I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. Like, yes, those things can be true, but it's also true that we are all humans and we feel emotions and it's important to acknowledge them and talk about them and work through them and not bottle it up because it's all going to come out some point at some point in time so um what was the question I think I answered it I totally answered it I was just asking about your relationship with your mental health so how you're saying like it kind of got to a boiling point at Yale in what ways like did Yale help you learn to manage your mental health issues it's kind of a loaded question because it's like for some people it's like Yale made my mental health so much worse and other people they're like it taught me how to grow can you touch on like either whichever of that experience or both that what what that was like for you? I think for me, it is definitely both. I think um, obviously, as I told you in that last story, there were moments where I was really going through it with my mental health. Um, but then Yale was also a place where I really learned to grow through it and and deal with it in ways that were productive for me. So I remember especially that year uh, when I was really struggling, I was I happened to be holding a lot of uh, leadership positions, whether that was like, I think I was musically directing my acapella group Shades, which means you're in charge of like running every rehearsal and making sure the morale is good and teaching everybody everything. So 
I had a lot on my plate doing that. And on top of that, I was, I think I was like originating a role in like two musicals at once. Plus I had another leading role, in another musical. And I was working a bunch of different jobs on campus. I was teaching yoga. So in a lot of, I had a lot of kind of publicly facing roles. So it was really just I kind of just would numb myself and I would turn it off. And if I, if I felt anxiety or I felt stressed or anything other than just performance mode, I would just kind of suppress it. Um, so then it was really through that year I learned the importance of slowing down and taking time to feel every emotion and not just bottle it up. Like, I really think that year, even though it was so hard and <laughs> there was just so many hard helpless moments like it's always through those hard helpless moments that you grow the most or at least for me and so I'm so grateful for that year looking back at it because I think it really prepared me for me in many of the difficult times to come because I really learned and I remember that summer I finally had some time to like think and reflect and like decompress um so yeah, that was that was huge. And then also like during that time, I was really blessed because I had formed some really important friendships um, through that period of time. And so I think it's also important like and this is what I'm so grateful I went to Yale above anything else, like degree aside, is just the people that I met there I know will be in my life forever. And so I remember forming, like I said, really strong friendships during that year that I was able to talk through a lot of these issues with and just find support and help and realize like I wasn't alone which was huge do you think that like there was like a resource that you were missing like is there anything you can think of where you were like oh when I was going through this wouldn't it have been so great if I had had like x honestly therapy (laughs) therapy I had never thought to seek it out I was like, I don't need that. I'm fine. Like, I'm strong. I I don't need it. And I think that's also something that I've learned is like, you're not weak for needing help. You're never weak for needing help. In fact, I think willingness to ask for help, especially in your times of need, is a sign of strength and maturity. So (laughs) that's a simple answer to my question. And luckily, like, my mom is so awesome. Um, I have, and I remember like the first time I, I had talked to her about like, I might be going through this. Like, is this anxiety? What is this? And, and so she was really helpful during that time. Um, so I'm really grateful for her, but (laughs) to answer your question, like therapy. And then like I, later in my time at Yale, I don't know if they, this position still exists at Yale. Um, but I, started working as a peer wellness counselor, um, which means that you're basically trained not to be a therapist, but just to be a really good like listener and affirmer of other people in the community. So the training and skills that I learned from um, working as a peer wellness counselor actually really helped me also in, I think, my mental health journey. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that still exists. And, like, I'm the same. Like, I'm such a huge proponent of, like, everyone should go to therapy. Like, yeah. I don't care if you don't, if you think you don't have problems. Like, just try it, because it can't hurt. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um. So how has that journey sort of, like, shifted and your experience with your mental health changed since leaving campus? Yeah, so I think I left, I mean, I don't think, I know I left campus at a very extraordinary time. 
I remember spring break started on March 7th, 2020. And I had flown home to Los Angeles thinking I would be home for about a week and then go on a fun spring break trip with some friends and then finish senior spring. And obviously none of that happened. School was canceled like five days later and I was told to not come back. So that was a very dark time. But again, like I said, sometimes out of these really dark, hard times, you learn your most important lessons or your life changes in exactly the ways that it needs to. So everything was kind of ripped out from under me. My senior thesis project was canceled. I had been planning to move to New York City and pursue a career in the performing arts. Obviously, that ceased to exist. So my mental health was in a very low space again. Um, But I had kind of remembered, um, especially like when I went through like my sophomore year, really challenging times with my mental health, that it's every time you're going through a low point, I always remember like, it's not permanent. It it really comes in waves. You've served. I tell myself like, Cammy, you have survived every low moment leading up to this point. You will survive this one. So I think I really just challenge myself to find joy and purpose in this like period of uncertainty and that's when pole dancing really entered the picture for me again in a major way so um it was like around march april i was really looking for things to do to take my mind off of the fact that like gail is my favorite place in the world i love it so much and it had just been stripped away so suddenly so uh, that's when i installed a pole in my aunt's living room um so shout out to her because if it wasn't for her, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. Um, but yeah, I installed a pole in her living room and just started pole dancing every day because I, like I said, I was in such a low place. Like I didn't really have anything to look forward to when I woke up every day. Um, and I would tell myself, you know, what, at the very least, even if nothing else goes right today, I can just teach myself something new on the pole and that will literally give me the joy I need to get through the day. So that's what I was doing every single day for hours a day for months. And it really did change my life for the better. So pole really became like a form of meditation and like catharsis and just like helped motivate me and like find joy in my life again during this very dark time. Yeah, and I remember you taught a couple, like, live stream yoga classes, too. I joined a couple of those. That was great for, like, I would assume that helped your mental health. I feel like that definitely helped a lot of other people at home, like, not knowing what to do as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's actually um, kind of how the Mind, Body, Spirit Collective was born was because I was teaching. So for anyone listening to the podcast, I used to teach yoga at Yale through Yogis at Yale and also through the Silliman Residential College system. Um, So I would teach yoga. And from that, I built a really just awesome group of people that would show up to class all the time. So then when that ended suddenly, too, I was super sad. I was like, I really miss seeing my friends in yoga class. So I just started teaching for free on Instagram Live like every day. And then from there, I noticed like, oh, I have a lot of people tuning into these lives. Like maybe I should continue expanding this. And then people started requesting stuff they wanted to work on. So I thought, okay, let me just develop a course and like a program, what I would want to participate in. And let me make it like a community vibe. I think everything is always better. I, that's also something I really missed at Yale was like the mutual accountability you'd have in your extracurricular groups. So I was like, let me just create that in a digital space. So then I like woke up one day and I was just like, mm, mind, body, spirit collective sounds good. I like the ring to it. And then I launched it. And now I'm like a year later doing it. And it's like my full-time job. So 
it's even awesome. I mean, even dark uncertain moments like that I think what I really learned from that time is like action is important like and I think that also comes back to because I definitely still I'm not I'm not perfect with my mental health there are days where I feel so low and lost I'm like what am I doing we all go through that but I always remember that doing something is better than doing nothing and it will kind of get you out of that rut so because I looked at, at these opportunities over the past like year and a half where I was like you know I could have been like oh I'm hopeless like my senior spring was canceled I could have done nothing but I did something I just started pole dancing and it led me in all these unexpected directions kind of same thing with the mind body spirit collective I didn't necessarily need to do that but it felt right and I was like I guess teaching this and I started small but now it's something that's much larger than myself it's definitely like a learning curve to teach yourself that it's better to do something than do nothing yes because it can feel so much easier to do nothing (laughs) Truly, and listen, there are days where I definitely <laughs> can't even do anything, so it's okay. Um, when you started pole dancing, did you, like, get any pushback or feel any judgment from, like, any of, like, the Yale community or, like, people in your life at all? Uh, from the Yale community, no. All my friends were super supportive, and I think a, a lot of my colleagues, peers, thought it was cool um the pivot it's kind of a walk it's like um feels like a being a walking contradiction to have gone to a place like Yale and then start pole dancing but I think it's just because people have certain expectations on what pole dancing is and its roots in sex work and then people also have expectations and uh, assumptions about sex work and that it's like not legitimate and that sex workers are like not human which is um, completely untrue like sex work is work and it is important work and it's also really hard work so people don't realize that and I think people also like can't I think people struggle with like this concept of duality like you can be athletic and sexy and sensual at the same time or you can be intelligent and hardworking and have gone to college or Yale or whatever and choose to like show off your body in an expressive way like people struggle like recognizing both of those things at the same time so I feel um I feel like it's cool I ended up in a space where I can like embrace contradiction um and so yeah like I like I I think that's cool so um yeah I was very got a lot of support from people at Yale which is awesome I think my parent and I think this is just like a generational thing but like my parents at first were kind of confused um I think when they first saw me setting up the poll they were like okay like you know we'll give her this like her seniors like she's in a sad place like this kind of sucks like let's let her be happy but then as I started to really um take it more seriously and started treating it like I mean I still feel sometimes weird about calling it like a profession or a job or a career um because I'm like how did this even happen and I feel like i struggled I feel like I have so much more work to do before I can even call it that but all that aside um once I started to take it seriously I think they were like wait what are you doing you're you're doing you're posting yourself wearing this doing this um so but I I had to just have some talks like with my parents and explain to them the why behind it and uh, that whole con that whole conversation I just had with you about like duality and stuff like that that you can be x y and z and you don't need to choose and pole dancing is cool and it's hard and it's creative and it's expressive so yeah so 
that note, um, you definitely touched on a little bit, like, the relationship between, like, this form of artistry and sex work, but can you talk a little bit more about that and then maybe about, like, how we, like, as a society and as individuals can, like, better honor and support sex workers? Yeah, I think um, it's important to always honor the roots of pole dancing, especially pole dancing as we know it, and that its roots are truly in the strip club. Um, I think it's a dangerous, um, not dangerous, it's just a harmful uh, uh, thing to do is when you try and dissociate pole dancing from stripping entirely. And that sometimes people say, oh, like, uh, you know, I'm a pole dancer, I'm not a stripper, as if that's like, a good thing or like a better thing to like dissociate from stripping which doesn't make sense because it's like literally your form of expression does not exist without sex workers paving the way so it's like literally it, it just is illogical even to say that um so it's just truly raising the awareness and saying every chance you can get like pole dancing is not separate from stripping um it's not separate from sex work the two are are related to each other and like like i said pole dancing literally does not exist without the work of sex workers and strippers and i think it's also important to like take class like learn pole dancing from strippers from sex workers and support them and go to the local strip clubs and tip your dancers (laughs) (laughs) um okay so with your like job now social media is like a big part of it I don't know if you would call yourself like I I don't think I would call you like an influencer but it's like sort of when people see someone having like a certain number of followers they're like oh that's an influencer or whatever what like sort of like comes along like how has your mental health changed from like now you have an audience you have people who watch you and like care about what you are doing and what you're posting right it's definitely a good question and oh there's there's so many ways to look at this question and starting off with like what you said about the um you know the question of like are you an influencer are you not and if we break down like what influencer really means like i don't consider myself an influencer in the in the way that i am like a walking billboard for other brands or anything because you do see that a lot where people will just have a following um and they'll be like hashtag ad hashtag sponsored and i try and be really really careful and not do anything like that because that was never my goal or like, that's never really what I set out to do. I really just started organically sharing like my work on this platform and it happened to garner eyes or garner, I guess what you would say influence. Um, So I really try and be like mindful. Like it's about like what I post or what I'm promoting. And I've definitely turned down a lot of like, lucrative opportunities that have come my way just because I'm like, that's not like, I I take money out of the equation. And I think like, is this still in alignment with me and what I want to promote? Like money aside. And if the answer is no, then I just don't do it. And I trust that financial abundance will come to me in another way that is authentic to what I want to do. Um, so I try and be like really careful and like really mind mindful about that because at the end of the day, like Instagram shouldn't be stressful. It I really want to keep it a place that is like fun for me and like literally just kind of a digital portfolio. Um, so yeah, but 
I definitely do treat it differently because um, I source almost like all of my students uh, for my business from Instagram. So I try and view it as not like a marketing tool, but more of just like, like I just try and treat my followers like my friends. Like, because I feel like any yeah. good business owner, like, you should just you should treat your clients like your friends or treat them like you'd want to be treated. So if they comment or send me like a nice DM, like, yeah, I'm going to respond. I'm like, yeah, I want to connect with everybody. Because um, that's what I think Instagram could be good for. If you're just putting out like an authentic version of yourself and seeing what you attract and then just engaging with that. And you shouldn't have to like force anything or, you know, do anything that feels uncomfortable. I've really been trying to be careful about that because I don't want to look like I don't know I just don't like the feeling of like posting something that I don't want to share or that I feel like I've been like forced to share because it's like an ad or it's like spawn like no I'm like keep that out of it and just like keep doing me because that is what feels good absolutely I love that um so with that like audience that you've now garnered and like that many eyes on you I mean, I'm sure it's amazing to feel like you have that many, like, friends and that many connections. But, of course, like, it's social media. It's not all positive. Has it been hard, like, dealing with any sort of, like, negativity that just comes with that existence? Or has it been, like, surprisingly, like, good? (laughs) I will say it has been surprisingly so good. I'm, like, I feel like I have the coolest, the nicest, best people in the world following me. But, like, of course, there's always some random hate usually a man on a burner that has something to say about my body (laughs) i'm like god you're gonna come and hate on my page like at least say with your chest like (laughs) i'm scared but whenever that happens i just block them i just block them or just remove the comment so So it doesn't really really get to you or it doesn't really get to i think the uh, to be so honest like there was like um i worked on a campaign with nike and i don't know what corner of the internet that campaign got shared on but like there was a bunch of just men like i said on burner accounts just commenting on my body that it was like too muscular or that like i was too curvy to be modeling for an athletic brand and why was they why were they having like just this crazy stuff and I was like okay well when you are when you can um lift your entire body weight up a piece of metal and contort yourself around it and feel good about that come back and and leave these same comments again like I was just like and I just deleted them and just went on with my day I was gonna say you're literally (laughs) modeling for Nike like on an aerial hoop like one of the hardest like skills and apparatuses and like sports ever but but okay (laughs) I was like okay cool like when you love yourself like come back (laughs) yeah okay I would love it if I'm sure people ask you this all the time but I would love it if you could just talk a little bit about how everything happened that you got to work with SZA because that is so freaking cool yeah okay I Honestly, I still like I'm so grateful that I got got to work with her and like continue to because she's just really truly one of my favorite musicians. Like ever since Control came out, it's always like my number one streamed album. No matter what, really carried me through all those low mental health times at Yale. So I feel like it was just a really cool full circle moment and it literally just happened because truly through Instagram. Truly through Instagram, she just found she followed me one day on Instagram and was so supportive and kind of the work that I was sharing and then one day she sent me a voice memo 
and was like, I want to come over. Like, let's work. And I was like, yes. And then, yeah. And then she just had texted me. Like, I think it was like the week of the Good Days video shooting. Um, and we trained together a couple times. And then I worked with her on set for that week. And that was kind of it. It was just like very chill and very organic. And I think this also goes back to what I was saying earlier about like, it's so important to just be your authentic self and trust that everything that is in alignment with you will come to you in due time. Um, Cause I was not really trying to be anybody but myself enjoying myself at each moment in time. And it like attracted a, a dream collaboration into my life. So that's why I always try and be, you know, always careful about, or just not even careful, just like post what feels right and share what feels true and authentic to me. So, cause I'm like, it attracts all the, the things that I want. And if I was trying to be somebody else, then it wouldn't attract the things that I want. That makes sense. Yeah. Good days on my mind. For no, sure. <laughs> that song too. Like, oh, I love that song. Um, were you nervous to meet her? <laughs> Definitely. I think the craziest thing was like, I've obviously heard her voice so many times. Like I've listened to Control for so many hours and so many hours and so many hours. So then like hearing her voice for the first time in real life, I was like, oh my God, that's her voice. That's so cool. <laughs> You're like, You're a real person. <laughs> ah, it's a real person. Yeah. Okay. I just, that's so cool. Like, I can't. <laughs> um, I just want to go really quickly back to a little bit more Yale stuff before we start to yeah. wrap up. Um, I feel like you can kind of look at your journey and see, like, oh, like, Cammie was this, like, awesome, like, figure on campus, and then she left Yale and, like, became, like, the Cami Arbalest who's working with SZA and doing all this amazing stuff. But I was just wondering, like, can you talk a little bit about, like, what your greatest accomplishment at Yale was and, like, how that may, might have, like, you know, led you to where you are now? Oh, my greatest accomplishment at Yale. Uh, I might have to think about that one. I mean... When I think about it, like, and I don't know if this is necessarily an accomplishment, but I really think about, like, the thing I'm proudest that I left Yale with was, like, my friends. It was the relationships that I I had there, whether that was, like, with professors or just, like, with people that I worked with, like, or people that I still keep in touch with. Like, those, that, that's why, like, I mean, I had a, a kind of a wandering journey at Yale. Like I started as pre-med, ended up theater studies. Now I don't do any of those things. So for me, Yale was really not about like the academic work that I did, even though I did pour myself into that in different ways. But it was really just about embracing the people and the community that I was with. So I was, I think I'm proudest of just like really maximizing that as much as I could and making meaningful relationships there. And like now, I, like, I think it's so cool that I have friends, like, and I look at my find my friends from like people that I went to Yale with, like they're, everyone's all around the world doing amazing things. And that's, I think so cool. And like, at the end of the day, what is most important about crafting a meaningful life is not your GPA or the awards that you got or didn't get. It's the quality of the relationships in your life. And I have amazing relationships in my life and I'm proud of that. Yay. Good. That's so great. 
I could you I don't want to label you as anything that you are not so you can label yourself but I was just wondering or not label yourself but I was just wondering like how your intersecting identities might have like impacted the way you experience being a Yaley where it's a there's a very like stereotypical niche type of person who attends Yale (laughs) yeah I think like um I guess this is like kind of how I've gone to be where I am now is like I really refuse to stick to a title I honestly just refuse to be put in a box and I don't think anyone should have to do that I think as humans we are all these shape-shifting and changing and evolving entities and what I like doing or what I feel defined like we're also not what we do like I think when you're at a place like Yale or even when you're like in a like creative industry or in a workplace, people are like, oh, like the people can say, oh, like that's Cammie, that's, she's a pole dancer. That might be what you know of me now, but you don't know, you don't know me before 2020 when people would have said, oh, this Cammie, like she's a singer. Um, or this, that's, yeah, like, so I, I feel like all my intersecting, to answer your question, like all my intersecting identities definitely like inform each other because I do think like all the years I spent training as a vocalist, inform how I view dance because dance is always set to music and so that informs my musicality and like all the time that I spent like doing like STEM classes informs how I can run a business because I learned in those spaces how to be like meticulous and like think about things um so I think they all inform each other but like I don't necessarily find myself needing to like stick to one title um yeah, I think that's even like a weird question. Like somebody asked me the day, like, "What do you do?" And I was like, "I don't know. I just exist." Like, <laughs> we we shouldn't like base our perceptions of people based on like what they do. Yeah. Um, but I think. Absolutely. Um, when you were at Yale, I feel like the answer is probably going to be yes. But did you have imposter syndrome? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I mean, I had it definitely when I was at, you know, I think that like my senior year, I had come to a place where I was like, yeah, I think I deserve to be here. Like, I must. Like, but even sometimes after the fact, I'm like, Did I, was that just like luck? Like, I don't know. Was I just really good at pitching myself in my application? Like, it's probably just that I was good at pitching myself. I probably don't actually deserve to be here. I still have that thought, definitely, even though I, like, keep my diploma in my room to remind me, like, it's still real. Um, But I even feel that, like, right now in my, like, life and in Korea, like, oh, like, it was probably just, like, lucky that, you know, my pole dancing garnered eyes the way it did, or it was just, like, lucky that people happened to enjoy it. Like, I, I, I still struggle with it, like, literally all the time. So I try and, like, practice affirmations for myself and say, like, you know, I I deserve everything that comes my way. And like with hard work, I can make all my dreams come true. Like I really try and do that work, but man, the imposter thoughts, like I don't think it will ever go away. And I think it's, it's honestly not that it's like good to suffer imposter syndrome, but I think it has like also instilled with me at the same time, a sense of gratitude because like, if I didn't have imposter syndrome, then I would probably just be like, Oh yeah. Like this is, I, of course I deserve to be here. This is what I think it's good to have that attitude, but it's also to be like, helps you be like, wow, I'm so grateful to be in this extraordinary place surrounded by these people doing these things. Like, and I think it also, imposter syndrome made me chronically grateful, which 
which I think is a good thing. I think it's important to be grateful. Yeah, that's no, I think that's a great quality to have. <laughs> um, okay, do you have any advice for current Yaleys who are like either struggling to balance mental health with all 500 things we're all running around doing yeah. all the time or like any of the just struggles that it is being a college student? Uh, okay, I, if I could go back in time and tell myself anything, I think I would just be like, stop worrying so hard about the future. I would literally tell myself, girl, stop worrying so hard about the future. Everything's going to work out the way it's meant to, even though it might not be the way you expect it to. Like, I think if I really could go back and be like, just enjoy each present moment. Do, don't dwell on the past and don't worry about the future because... The present moment, like, I, I think by my later time at Yale, like, I really had started embracing the present moment more. And that's why I had such a meaningful relationship, as I mentioned. But it sounds so trite, but it's like, don't worry so hard about the future because, like, it is going to work out. If you are showing up as yourself and doing your best work in whatever it is you're trying to do, like, things are going to work out, even if it's just really not what you thought. I guess is what I'd say. I know it's like a basic answer, but that's honestly... Like, it's not like, a basic answer. I'm just trying to take that to heart, too. I know, and it, it's so hard when you're just, like, in the moment you're worried about internship or jobs after college and, like, mm-hmm. oh, it, it <laughs> is uncertainty. Uncertainty, so <laughs> because I remember I was totally there. Um, and I think also having a little bit of worry is good, like, a healthy amount of worry of, like, what's going to next? Like, you know, like, what's going to be next? Like, what's a little bit of that is good but you know it shouldn't be all all consuming existential because the reality is like you went to Yale like you're gonna be like that's awesome like you should be proud you know <laughs> yeah we did that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. in the process of doing that yeah it's yeah. interesting because I'm sure you can think back to like younger Cammy in her dorm room at Yale and I'm like sitting in my dorm room at Yale being like where the hell am I gonna be in three years time and look at where like you ended up so it's a good yeah. <laughs> story. No, exactly like if anything my story because if you had told me like sophomore year sitting in my dorm room that I would be here I would just I would be like what that is so weird but okay you know mm-hmm. so it all yay <laughs> okay <good>. yeah <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Of course, this is such a great discussion and good luck with everything.